Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense, trying to tangle with us. Scoop of a big black booties in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money for such. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, Would it make a substantial difference to this podcast? Not entirely convinced it would. Not entirely convinced if, it wouldn't. If neither of us could hear what the other one was saying. Well, would it increase or decrease the amount of talking over each other we do? <laughs> Might make the edit a lot. You probably, you know, just isolate key monologues and add a couple of mmms. I suspected we'd just make, we'd just have two different podcasts. We just have the. Instead of the Snyder cut, we'd have the Bezo cut and the Doc cut. <laughs> That's right. Almost like a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah. We'd probably go for four and a half hours like that fucking Justice League bullshit. I, I did think one of the, the funniest bits of NBA content I did consume this week was a, a, a whole article with Brooke Lopez about how he would fix the DCU. Can I still remember how to push all the buttons? It's the red one. At least at an ESPN level. Anyway, how's your Christmas and New Year's, Doc? Did you eat lots of ham? No, not as much ham as you'd expect. Fuck, I had a lot of ham. Though, you know, it, it is my industry. It's I'm, I'm almost contractually obliged to eat a lot of ham. We had kind of a, a, a meh ham, kind of a slightly s- suboptimal ham. It just, just wasn't particularly interesting or tasty, so we didn't go full ham. Yeah, and, one, uh, one of them didn't even finish the panettone th- either, so it's been a bit kind wow. of a, a little bit yeah. underwhelming. I did make a you know in that great Christmas tradition of using cranberry sauce. Well, I made a cranberry sauce cheesecake. That was my. <laughs> did you put cranberries <laughs> in the fucking kombucha as well? Or I have made cranberry kombucha. It's quite nice. I do like my my fermented stuff, as you well know. As we discussed in the previous episode of this podcast. Um. Well, the NBA is sort of bubbling along. Yeah, I can tell ferments. that you care a lot given that you've titled this episode Get on the Darts. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about the darts? I do want to talk about the darts. Like, you want I- to describe a very visual medium on the well, podcast? Because that's the thing. There was that the nine dart finish, well, the, yeah. the, the dueling nine dart finishes, where they were both, the, the both of the finalists were going for nine, nine dart finish, folks, for those who are. Uh, new to the Not darts, the caper darts. is where you basically <laughs> just go triple twenties until you no longer can do triple twenties. I think it's triple twenty, triple nineteen, yeah, and a triple, triple nineteen, double twelve, double, double 12, twelve to finish. Yeah, yeah, because you got to you got to get exactly five hundred and one on the so fewest you, number of darts possible. There's sort of two parts to this. One is it was an amazing final because you had the guy that sort of dominated the last five years. Like he, he he's. He's the guy you would expect to win, has won lots of big games. And, and darts, you know, for anyone who does, hasn't played it and sort of doesn't understand, he's a we real- We have an audience of drunks. Of course they're playing darts. <laughs> it's a real mental pressure game. Like, you, you, you can sort of fuck yourself up rather than, you know, losing the skill. It's like the, the pressure of the moment can all of a sudden you, you miss a couple of uh, darts that you, 
you know, you hit all the time in less pressure situation and then you're second guessing yourself and you're moving around. And like it, it's so fascinating to watch how the implied pressure of what the other guy's doing sort of feeds back. But then it's all, it's all over so quickly because, you know, it's, it's 501. It's, you know, first, first to three and then first to seven sets of those three. So you just described sex under 20. <laughs> so it's, it, it's over incredibly quickly, and there's so much pressure that you end up <laughs> forgetting what you're doing. <laughs> so, and like, so it was a great final in that the, the the underdog, I guess, got out to you know was up six sets to three, and then the other guy sort of came back, and I just wondered whether this this guy had just been playing like next level darts, like darts that I just couldn't imagine. Hitting, you know, he's just pulling 180s out one after another after another. Like the pressure just did not seem to be getting to him. And then he lost a couple and it went back to 6 5 and he just needed to close it out. And he ended up closing it out. And that, like, it, it was just a great bit of theatre. But the other part of it is darts is a sport that's really nailed the internet age. Like, it's on Sky Sports, right? So it's a pay TV product. And they've but, actually deliberately moved it to the Christmas break so they could have kind of a boozy um, Alexandra Palace crowd in. Yeah, so th- they've nailed the the vibe of the sport, right? Mm. Which is, you know, we're going to be we're, we're going to be the anti golf. We're going to be loud, and you can cheer, and you can like to the point where in the quarterfinals, one of the guys went and got noise cancelling headphones and put them on. Yeah, and it's not like he- and they've, they've cleaned it up a lot because it used to be a lot rowdy. It used to be like. Like Bay 13 of the cricket, just con, just people pissed as fuck and just being abusive and, and, and really quite gross. Whereas now, as I think it's, it's, you know, I think the, the crowd as well as the sport has realized if you want this to be sustainable, it needs to be good natured, right? Mm. You can, you can cheer and sing and do whatever you like, but it can't be. It can't be mean. It can't be a bunch of cunts, or we, you know, it's not going to be a good television product. Um, so they sort of nailed that part of it. But then, like I follow the the official um, Twitter account, and they're just great at posting these little, you know, tiny highlights. So a lot of the darts I follow, I follow through Twitter, like in real time, and and. It's amazing uh, how Twitter mu- casual. Nothing worse than darts casuals. <laughs> uh, it's amazing how it can really get you hooked in, like the the way that they present it, and then they have a really really good um, highlights package on YouTube. Like I went back and watched that final, and it was pretty much condensed into like they basically took out every last little bit that you didn't need to see. Like you say, you saw all the 180s, you saw all the big pegouts, you saw all of that, you saw all the really good commentary because that's the other thing Darts nails is they have excellent commentators that know what they're talking about but can also lay it on absolutely thick, you know, <laughs> that they can create tension and create moments of of bombast that suits the sport really well. Um, yeah, I just, I just think it's funny that there's this like little pub sport in England that's just absolutely nailed how to be a sustainable sport in the modern era because you would think it would be a sport that would just, I don't know, dis- disappear because it was a little bit old-fashioned and a little bit of a, you know, boozy guys in pubs. But no, they, they, they've really modernised and, and and made their nicheness work for themselves. I think it they build it as a live sport. I think that's really what I – mean, and you wouldn't think darts would be a, a good stadium live sport because it's – I mean, how, how big's a dartboard? 
a bit yeah, bigger than a big. pizza tray. You know, it's, it's, a, it's not exactly a, a stadium event, but they, they did a fantastic job of pe- making people want to be part of the live event and then yeah. transmitting the joy of the the live event into the audience for people who are watching it on TV. Like, they they hold an event in Sydney every year, like where all the, the top players come out and play. And, I've like, for that reason alone, I've thought, man, that'd be it's, – it's almost like going to a – you know, a band that you want to see. It's like, I reckon it'd just be a great experience to go and be part of that crowd and be stupid and sing some stupid songs. And, and I think you'd need to be pretty off your chops. And you'd know, oh, you, you sure. have to be pretty comfortable with being around a lot of people who, let's face it, are Barmy Army adjacent. True. That's the other thing too is I think it might have probably been in the 80s and 90s a very male-dominated crowd. But if you have a look at that, now it's it's definitely not all the lads. Well, Whatever it's also they- a, it's also a sport that you know. I mean, I, I know women compete on the same fucking in the same tournaments as men, yeah. which is actually, and there's no reason they couldn't and shouldn't because it's not like being a man, you know, having on average, you know, bigger, stronger, uh, more muscular. That does not make a pinch of shit of difference when you're doing darts. It just doesn't well, fucking matter. And the other thing is, it's you would think it would be a sport dominated by Brits, right? Or, or by Brits and, and and Welsh and Scottish players. But the best guy for years has been from the Netherlands. And, you know, there's yeah, a really they're, good they're Australian player. Of, they're, they're kind of the, the Northern English of, of Europe anyway. They, they just sit around yeah. sinking piss and... Well, and, and there was a German in the semi-finals, which also which also fits the. Oh, oh I'm sure there the would there would have well. been no World War Two bullshit about that. Yeah, no. Anyway, this is an extremely elaborate way of you trying to avoid the fact <laughs> that Phoenix are three and seven in their last ten and lost four on the trot. I mean, I know you know. They, 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 I gave up on my team because they refused to get rid of the the alleged sex pest who it was their coach. Um, what's your excuse for giving up on the Phoenix? Apart from the fact think- that they've, they, as I said, they've, <laughs> they've dropped uh-huh. a shitload of games and they've gone from being at the pointy end of the, of the West to eighth. Well, the, the, there's two parts of that. One is you're probably only one good away, one good run away from being second again. Uh, uh, no, you need five. You need five games to get back up to second. Oh, is it five that, wins. Is it- Pop that far out. Yeah, I mean, uh, Portland and Phoenix are now, I mean, Portland is 19 and 18, uh, yeah. Phoenix is, is 20 yeah, and 19. Four. I couldn't believe that Phoenix had dropped to basically 500. Um, they're, they're back there. They've got the same record as Golden State now. T- turns out Devin Booker is pretty good. The other thing is- Turns out he's important. He, he's, he's relatively significant. And it also turns out that, you know, if DeAndre Ayton has, has still got the ump, then you're not really going to get too fucking far. <sighs> Man, that Donkic- Decision just still fucking wrinkles. <laughs> it really like for both of them, right? Who would have thought that that like because I, I was big on you know Lucas should go to Dallas because he's just going to have a better, more yeah. sustainable career. And you look, <laughs> he's, he's racking sixty and twenty one, and he's still know, in, in games okay, but, that these teams are barely fucking winning. Who's their second best player? That was that's like like Adam and I said it when we did the draft. Is like there's Luca and Christian Wood. That's it. Well, but he wasn't like they started Javale McGee over Christian Wood. Like, can you can you imagine Luca and Booker now? Oh my god, like fuck. But anyway, um, one of the interesting things about Phoenix is evidently they can't trade anyone because no, like there's literally no one. There's no grown ups who can make any decisions. No, no, there's tumbleweeds like 
you know, rolling through the, 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 the corridors at Phoenix HQ because I guess all those sort of uh, like James Jones is sort of handcuffed and all the, the general manager guys are probably packing their bags ready to go, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, so that's fine. Like I don't – like I just want the new guy to come in and clean house a little bit. I, I realise that he's probably not that much – you know, he's not Robin Sava, as you've pointed out. He's not Robin Sava, but he's still a billionaire. He's still going to not be great. But as, look- as the sword just pointed out, he's still a loan shark. And I, I did really appreciate on Twitter how I managed to get you into a fight with the Sportress. <laughs> yeah, that's right. On the account. It wasn't even me. Because <laughs> um, uh, the Sportress was, was lamenting the fact that you know, teams might be a mediocre coach. And the, the, the podcast account replied, said, yep, sounds perfect for the, for the Knicks. And, and uh, of course, the, the response was to point out that the, the, the Knicks and the Suns have essentially the same record. And then yeah. I stood back and let you take over and have the argument with him about it. So, um, the, the, that's the one friends thing, are for, folks. <laughs> the one thing I want to see the Suns do is, and I actually think it's like the, the canary in the coal mine is, are they going to get a scouting department back? Because all their bullshit about, oh, you know, draft picks don't really- Well, have a fucking look at what Memphis do with their draft picks. Where That would be equal first in the Western Conference, Memphis. Yeah. That, you know, have Winners a look of five at, on the road, mostly with, with an almost exclusively homegrown roster or home-drafted roster. Have a look at guys like Desmond Bain. Um, there's this guy at the Bain. Nuggets who, are, who you know, who wasn't exactly a top ten draft pick. Who seems to be doing okay. Maybe your scouting department could nail some shit, and we wouldn't fucking be in a rancid mess. Anyway, like that's the sort of stuff that where, and it's always like right back to the the very first time where they refused to pay Joe Johnson and just like shipped him <laughs> off for cash. Oh, God. But, that, yeah, but that's, that, like, that's just how fucking cheap the, the previous the previous admins yeah, were. They used to sell draft picks like, mm. <laughs> the, like every year they would sell their draft picks. Yeah. So just someone who doesn't do that sort of stuff would be really fucking nice. And yeah. it, that if you'd had that owner the year we were playing Milwaukee, because that series was pretty fucking tight. Just you know, if you'd had a Bones Highland to come out Bones Highland. <laughs> I'm getting all the voices from you in tonight. Um, if you'd had a Bones Highland come in and actually, you know, have that random hot streak game, you might you might have a ring, but you're a cheap-ass fucking team with a cheap-ass owner, so we don't. There's my depressing take on the Suns. See, this is, it, it, I think everyone basically needs to do what I do. I'm basically, you know, that meme of Rob Lowe going at the NFL game with a hat that says NFL? NFL just I'm, I'm just a guy. I'm just supporting the league, man. I, I don't have a team to back anymore. So it's- uh, Well, I, the, the only, I said to you today, I haven't been watching much stuff. And the only game I've watched in entirety was that Nuggets Celtics game, which was just a ripper. That was just like- inject Jokic and Aaron Gordon into my veins. Aaron Gordon must wake up every morning and, like, I know Orlando have this fun young side now, but damn. Yeah, they did. I saw a little bit of the game that they played today. Um, They didn't win uh, and it wasn't close after a while, but, you know, they they did some interesting stuff briefly. But, like, Gordon and Jokic are, like, Gordon's just a, I guess he's the Draymond light to Steph, like, different sort of player. You know, he doesn't have the playmaking and stuff, but he just... And that's the thing, like he's picked up that role. He certainly that was kind of the hope was that he'd realise, well, I'm I might be the fourth option on offense, so maybe what I need to do is all the all the stuff that was never prioritised when I was in in Orlando, but it's stuff that I can definitely do. And the other fun thing is, you get 
Jokic the ball in that high post and you just like don't watch Jokic just watch all the other guys because all the other guys are like constantly moving around because they know if you can get free or even into the slightest bit of space the ball is magically going yeah. to be there for you to dunk it or lay it in like that there's going to be some preposterous magician effort that's going to result with you with the ball in yeah. space and having a much easier time of it than what you should um yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun to watch. The Grizzles are fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, the, the Pelicans until Zion went down. Well, <laughs> the, the, I was thinking about that because, I mean, the Zion's going to be out probably three to four weeks at least with, yeah. a, with a hammy. Um, but you'd think that with the Pelicans' experience, they're probably better set up to weather a period oh. without without their their guy than any other team in the East or the West. I mean, you look at, you know, if Dallas lost Luca, they'd be fucked. Fucked. You know, we know what the uh, the Clippers look like without Kawhi. Or, or with Kawhi. Um, Portland without Dame. Um, Phoenix without Devin Booker, even though there's other guys yeah. there. Golden State without Steph are treading water. I mean, that they're, they're, they're over 500 in their last 10, which is, you know, no- ironically, nobody above them is over 500 in their last 10 until you get up to, like, Dallas at fourth. Um, but the, the Lakers have lost both of their big dudes at various points in the last – little while and, and they're just about treading water but I mean Denver without Jokic you wouldn't even want to think about it so it's I feel more confident that they're going to be all right or at least they're going to stay where they are which looks like a solid third for a bit longer yeah that they have the same sort of thing as the Grizzles where it's like this guy goes down okay well Dyson Daniels will start and play decent minutes and throw the lot they they seem to morph they're still they're still down Brandon Ingram aren't they yeah, Ingram doesn't come back till next week, so he hasn't been playing. That's a, yeah. that's the other thing. Like their third mm. and Ingram, who was awesome for them last year, um, hasn't really been doing much. So I think you're right. I think I'm right too. <laughs> Strangely enough, all it does is give their next guys up more more minutes, more confidence. Yep. Same as same as like you said with the Warriors. Like it's rejuvenated them because it's like, oh shit, we can't rely on Steph. Maybe we should start doing some stuff ourselves, it seemed to have sort of realigned their other guys into, oh, shit, we should probably pull our weight instead of relying on this all, Mm. um, you know, anyway. And with the Clippers lost today, um, Golden State and Phoenix are only one win behind sixth, which, you know, bungee jumps you out of that play-in uh, Schmozzle and, and puts you in a much better place. Now, admittedly, then makes you the the sixth seed and having to go to New Orleans and play Zion, which is less less fun, I suppose. But but uh, like Howard Beck and Zach Lowe did a pod this week about you know uh, unsung heroes of of NBA teams, and I think Zach was like after eight guys on the roster. But Howard Beck picked the he guy. He wanted that- to name like the guy in the Sacramento front office who thought up the beam and stuff like that. Yeah, but the the. The one that was, I thought, legit was the guy that invented the, you know, the guy that masterminded the plan. Oh, the guy that that LeBron wanted to get fired. Yeah, it's absolutely done what they wanted it to do, whereas you have to play deep into the season because there is a big difference between 6th and 8th or 12th and 10th. Like, the Lakers would be scrapping and clawing for a chance at that play, and if if they can put LeBron and Austin (laughs) Reeves... I mean, Anthony Davis. Austin Reeves is, is out injured, so. Oh, well, one of their big three's and gone. Russ. <laughs> you the really do. of Russell Westbrook. Like, someone was saying Kuzma just wants to get back to, to LA because, like. He's he got a house there? I mean, why? 
Oh no, he literally understands that every perform like he'll have a really good game for the for the um for Washington and no one gives a fuck. Whereas he could have a <laughs> mediocre mediocre game for LA and it's like the next coming of the fucking great Ford. It's like you get so much hype for being a good player like a, yeah, a, a, a mediumly like, good player on the Lakers. It's like being on the Knicks except there's the sun is out. At least half the year. So I just noticed that the Lakers in the in the division are none and seven. And I do remember somebody pointed out they're yet to win a game in their division. Hello? Oh. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. That's what happens when you talk about Kyle Kuzma too much, folks. Yep. The internet just yeah. dies. Internet just says no. No Kyle Kuzma for you. <laughs> Shall we talk about the East for, for a little bit? We should. Sure. You know, it, it still exists. It still exists and it's still it's still fucking scary. But I'm not sure any of us are that convinced by any of the good teams there, apart from the Brooklyn Nets, who have just racked win after win after win. I mean, they they lost to um, Chicago uh, a day or so ago. But apart from that, they were on a 10-game winning streak, whereas Boston and Milwaukee have been flat 500 for the past two weeks or so. It's really hard to kind of work out what the fuck's going on with either of those two teams. Who's going to pull the trigger first? There's three teams, right? The Bulls, the Wizards, and the Raptors. Who's going to pull the trigger first and and try and tank? Like now's now's yeah. the time, right? They, they are currently one. but seventeen and twenty one, seventeen and twenty two, sixteen and twenty two, respectively. Chicago, Washington, and Toronto. The, the Bulls is slightly more complicated because they have to get a top four pick to keep their pick. Like yep. imagine, imagine if you got rid of Levine and DeRozan, tanked. And then got the sixth pick, and all you know, took another yeah. because this is a deep draft, right? They're, they're they're saying it's like there's going to be a top two, but you're still going to get a quality player at like seven or eight. So if you got one of the Thompson twins at five, and you're Orlando, man, <laughs> weren't that they was, like a pop act from the eighties? Yeah, I know. No, they're from oh, Tintin. Oh. Come on, man. Fuck the pop act. The the, the, the only Thompson I'm twins not that are, that the are fucking good. Fucking racist, fucking Belgian shit. Fuck off. Colonial <laughs> fucking Belgian bullshit. <laughs> all I can Asterisk remember would have it, Tintin. Oh fuck yeah. But all I can remember like I, I'd still have some Tintin books lying around, but um is the Doug Anthony All Stars Tintin bit from Dead or Alive where <laughs> uh anyway, I'll see if I can dig that out of YouTube for everyone. Um Richard Feidler, now a serious author and journalist, which yes, always yeah, he amazes want, me. does not want anybody bringing well, out. Uh, I, I got his book for Christmas from my mother-in-law, which looks really interesting and I'm looking forward to reading it. But um, it, this is a little, you know, the blurb about the author. Funnily enough, no mention of the Doug Anthony all No, I'll there. Have, yeah. no, no <laughs> mention of fucking ha- dogs. have comedy and radio host. <laughs> Doesn't Nothing mention about- that he started a punk band in Southern California. Oh, dear. Um yeah, so do you think the the Nets look like the Bucks? Just like if they didn't have Giannis, would they be a a a, a lottery team? I guess Lopez they would has been be, playing well, but ah, uh, you wouldn't. They wouldn't be better than Indiana, you know. That yeah. they'd be, you know. But that's the thing. I mean, the, the entire team's built around Giannis. So, you know, if they, mm. if, they, if they lose Giannis to injury, then certainly. But if they never had Giannis in the first place, then they would have built their roster differently. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, I just I don't really know what's up with Boston or Milwaukee other than it's is it is this just kind of mid-season malaise or is there a because the, the Celtics have been really listless since Christmas. Mm. That sounds like a shit rom-com, doesn't it? There was a thing today where I saw on Twitter where Tatum was doing the rust thing of hunting the triple-double like he saw the 
I don't know what it was the ninth rebound or the ninth yeah. assist, but 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 basically was hunting that that last stat, and um yeah, there's a, a few different people that mentioned it, and uh, like should a should a team that made the finals have that disease of me? Like, isn't that more a thing? Like, shouldn't you be even be hungrier for wins? I know they were spanking the Mavs anyway, but um that that's the thing that's impressed me with the Nuggets a few times this year is when they decide to come out and have that statement game like i've watched them three times this year where they've obviously whether it's the coaching staff or the players have just sort of talked amongst themselves but they haven't come out where Jokic is just sort of like oh, i'll throw a pass here and i'll throw a pass here and sort of you know try some shit and see what happens like no they come out and they fucking run proper sets and really get into their stuff early and try and get you know easy points to get a little break straight up you know, like they're obviously trying to bury a side in the first quarter. Yeah. And you would think a side like the Celtics that has ambitions of um, being a team going back to the finals would, A, respond to the to the Nuggets, you know, like try and punch them back in the second quarter, and they just sort of never really did. And then to go out and let OKC without Shea score 150, 150 on you? That was an astonishing, astonishing score. It was like 150 to 115. Uh, a Thunder team lacking their quote-unquote star. Everybody, everybody, all the starters scored more than 20 points. Yeah, that dude can fucking coach, you know. Yeah. The, the fourth musketeer. Daniel. He can really fucking rip it because they completely changed their game plan and just went, we're just going to ping the ball around and, you know, we're going to be a hydra and you are not going to be able to load up on anyone. And if anyone feels like being lazy, that's the point we're going to attack. And it also shows and you only have to be very slightly off your game mentally. Like, yeah, it's clear that Boston the went in there the and went, oh, yeah. you know. It was yeah, no, Brogdon no, said so, no, didn't he? He said, yeah. Uh, we heard this GA was out and we must have relaxed. And that's what happened. They got their fucking asses handed to them. 150 yeah. points is a lot of points. I mean, Boston aren't great on defense. I mean, their defensive rating's not. Um, but, but that was the Actually, their defensive that- rating's appalling. I mean, I, I, it's, down, it's down in the low 20s in terms of the league. But they made the finals last year. They were the best defensive team. You know, <laughs> Marcus when they turned Smart it- was defensive player of the year. Player of the year. Like. <laughs> Oh, that, that is that is the one super enjoyable thing about the NBA this year is, is that Boston sucks. No, <laughs> is, they don't. But but you can if you like the, when I first started watching the NBA, if you were playing one of the bottom sides and you rocked up and you had a half-hearted attitude, you, you're still going to win, right? Yeah. You know the stars would turn it on for one quarter. You blow this, you know, and you'd sit, you know, sit the rest. You can't do that. No. <laughs> you know, a, a Magic or a Pistons or a Hornets or a Pistons uh, beat OKC. fucking Dubs yesterday. Yeah, like do we you know, exactly there's, that? There's young, hungry guys that do not give a fuck what the front office want to do, and all they want to do is play really, really hard. And that's the other thing too is I think except those for guys, Charlotte, who have given up yeah. more to live. Yeah, and they better not get it. They, they better not get a top four draft pick. Come on, NBA! You, you, conspiracy sp- theories say that you rig the draft. Rig it so those fuckers don't get a top four pick because they do not deserve yeah, it. Yeah, because they'll rig the draft so that Michael Jordan's team doesn't get the f- number one. Yeah, I could see that happening. Oh, fucking rancid team. Anyway, they don't care um, enough. They do not care enough. Uh, I have no idea what's happening in the uh, in the wins pool. 
Um, oh, I, 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 I suspect, you like I suspect it's not going that well because uh, my teams are not going that well because I'm stupid enough to pick your favourite team as the jewel of my lineup. I'll just wait for it to load. And we will see Bezo is back out to a comfortable lead. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised because Adam and I had been sort of dueling for quite a while for that, you know, top spot. And I'm five games played behind him or six games seven and i'm just like man his teams must have been but then you don't seem to be really making a dint into his into the gap between you and him either so the reason is the western conference is currently denver you memphis you new orleans adam dallas you Sacramento, adam so that's why you guys are miles ahead and the bottom of the of the western conference is lakers me okc you San Antonio, me, Houston, me. So I think that basically explains that problem. Yeah. Uh, and the only the only decent team I have in, in either comp is Milwaukee. So anyway, I've started writing letters to Jetstar to, you know, come on, get some cheap cut-price flights from New Zealand to Australia. <laughs> I'm going to fly Jetstar. Fuck that. <laughs> Never turn up. <laughs> That's true. Or your, or your luggage won't turn up, one or the other. Well, that's the stuff you'd actually want, though. It's the luggage. Um, yeah, so basketball continues. Uh, it is good entertainment. Uh, not that not that America ever notices because they've got football. I see that, yeah, very surprisingly, the NFL games outrated the NBA games on Christmas Day uh, in America. Of course, if, if you add in the ratings from the rest of the world, I suspect it'd be a different story, but uh, they never seem to want to talk about that uh, in those mm. doom and gloom ratings or everything US media posts. Yeah, it's it's very easy to cherry pick ratings, and uh, I think the only real, like you know, the M that the, they were saying again, they were saying the next TV deal for the NBA is still going to be absolutely massive. Yeah, oh, l- let's finish on that. What the fuck is Cricket Australia doing, giving the rights back to a television network that actively hates them? What well, is going at, at on? A, at, a, at a fucking discount too. Well, so the story with this is Cricket Australia have basically decided to re-up with Channel 7, Foxtel, and who's the other party in that? There's another party in that in that um, thing. But um, it's actually less money than they would have got from Paramount, which is basically Channel 10 and Paramount+. Plus. My, the only defensible reason to do that is that they've seen what experience the A-League had with Paramount and and that you know Paramount's subscriber base isn't very large, and obviously Channel Ten doesn't rate as well as as Channel Seven. So their argument would be that we're going to be in front of less eyeballs, so we won't be able to get as much coverage. But I would have thought they would have been getting more stuff on free to air, and that's kind of more important. But as you put, as you illustrate, Channel Seven tried to sue them three times during the life of this fucking thing. Like, so why go back to bed with those people? It's supposed to be a partnership like uh, well as i think it was the sports again pointed out that they're captured that they've been captured they they, they're in it's almost like a it's dismissive to say it's like a a abusive relationship but it is that kind of thing where they've been gaslit into believing that this is the best they can do that you know that they need these that these other people but the thing that's one of the things that i thought was really odd was the number of people who were celebrating the fact that the bbl was going to be cut from 60 odd games to 40 odd games and I'm like, why are you celebrating the fact that there's going to be less meaningless cricket around when you've got literally nothing else to fucking do because it's, it's Christmas? 
I mean, having less of it's not going to make it more meaningful because it's the BBL. It has no meaning by fucking definition. These are made-up fucking teams playing for a made-up fucking trophy. So why celebrate there being less of it? It's not like you had anything better to fucking do on the 17th of fucking January. It's just well, really bizarre. And, and you don't get any test cricket after, after it's, years It's not like now. you're, you're going to get – you're not going to bring back the fucking World Series cricket tri-series as a result of this. This is what it looks like now. But the other thing that kind of – I mean, more seriously, this is basically – Cricket Australia running up the white flag in the competition against – I mean, it, it never was going to be a serious competitor for the IPL and the IPL satellite leagues, but this is it basically giving up, saying, look, basically, we're the New Zealand super smash. We're just going to be this little regional tournament that is going to have our players in it. and Because uh, well, you, you, don't, you don't become bigger by becoming smaller. But no, isn't it wasn't that the thing, is that they couldn't get those international guys because those international guys don't want to come and play sixty games. Yeah, I they- don't think I don't think making yourself smaller is, is actually the solution to that though. Because mm. then you're going by making yourself smaller, you've got less product, you've got less money, you can't afford those international guys. It's a bit like the the NBA's, you know, the argument that they should have fewer regular season games in the NBA. That's all well and good, but if once it shrinks the amount of money that you've got, you suddenly aren't big enough to be able to pay for all the shit that you want to pay for. Yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do next year in terms of their signings. So, mm. well, that was well a- I don't think it's going to matter because they're just going to, you know, yeah. what are their big signings this year? They, they, they cherry-picked a few Kiwis from the top of the, from the Kiwi League out of contract well, people the, like Trent like Bolt. N- none of the – like Rashid Khan hasn't played finals for years because he pisses off to the Pakistan. Like, I don't know. But, the, like, a lot of those guys go and play – other places when the yeah. meaningful games are on. So I think Rashid Khan had international duty last year, mm. but he, he really does seem to dig the joint. He's very, yeah. very, very, very comfortable in Adelaide. And then you know, if <laughs> if you find somebody who's comfortable in Adelaide, you hang on to them because that, that, that's there aren't so many of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it feels like it felt like a very A League moment for the uh, for the BBL. It felt like oh, we realised that we're Smaller, meaningless, and we're going to contract here, um, that, which is kind yeah, of sad. That, that they shit in their bed when they fucked off ten, Channel Ten the first time because Channel Ten, Bad call. yeah, culturally really understood the BBL, and it's a little bit like when the AFL went off Ten, and it went back to being just a, a Channel Seven property, and yeah. you know there was this. They take of, it for granted, oh, really. Yeah, it's this old school Victorian feel to it. Yep. And it was just like, well, fuck, you know, the, the BBL felt like a different product when it was on 10. Yeah. Um, and now it just feels like another cricket product with the same. It was a little bit like when well, we I, had- I, the- don't, I don't see the seven coverage, so I'm not I'm not sure what that feels like. But the, the yeah, Fox coverage, it, it feels like, you know, anything. You know, it could be any- Fox's coverage of sport, it fairly interchangeable regardless of what code it is. Yeah, like it, it could be the V8 supercars, it could be the fucking, it could be the Golf, it could be anything. Uh, but they do a, a, a decent workmanlike job of it. But um, actually, the V8 supercars isn't a fair comparison because they do an excellent job of that. Because most of that's done by V8 supercars as their own production house. But the look and feel of it is quite similar. Yeah, well, it's a little bit like when we had um, the world, the World Cup in Australia, and it was mm. like. All of a sudden, we had this completely different production crew and different vibe, and even some of the commentators that we hated on Channel Nine for years. It's like, holy shit! Yeah. No wonder these guys have a have a reputation as being 
and, and yet they had Mark Howard for reasons that I'll never fucking understand. <laughs> yeah, right. Fucking well, podcaster <laughs> and schoolmate of Will Anderson is a cricket commentator now. Yeah, well, and- he's not the most egregious. A um, couple of quick ones to finish. Uh, the Bulls Classico finished two all. Leeds and uh, West Ham, so uh, not uh, which is not much that much used to either Leeds or West Ham, but I thought we should mention that. And uh, but that's not the uh, the biggest story in, in football. Um, this uh, this week is possibly the most real housewives bullshit you could possibly imagine in in the house of the U.S. men's national team. Don't know if you're across this one, but the uh, oh, the I- coach of the U.S. men's national team has had to come out and make a statement saying that he was being blackmailed over a domestic violence incident that happened 30 years ago, uh, and it appeared to be related to one of the players not getting enough game time. And it, it turns out that uh, he was having problems with this one young superstar called Gio Reyna, who had been a bit of a tool, and all, all the rest of the playing squad had like, Can, we need to pull this guy back in the line. And he'd almost been sent home because his attitude was appalling, but he, it, you know, he got over it. He didn't play much in the World Cup. And uh, he happened to share some insights about this in, in you know, supposedly a, a private context, which the, the comments managed to get out into the media about the fact that there was this player that he'd had these problems with during the World Cup thing. Um, <laughs> it then turns out that it was the parents of this player who were the ones blackmailing. Oh. Who, oh, well, blackmail, they claimed it was just they, they thought it was unfair that given that. And it turns out these people are lifelong friends of the coach. They grew up with them oh, together. Oh, the, the parents the wife, are. Yeah, the parents. But they're into the Rainers, the Claudio Rainer and his wife. His wife and Greg Borhalter, the US men's national team coach, his wife, they were college teammates. On the, They used to, they were roommates oh. for like four years. She was her roommate when this event happened, when this, this incident happened when they were 18 um, and drunk and stupid. And it was a big thing. And, you know, you don't want to minimize the event. It was horrible. But um, they, you know, worked split up and went their separate ways, and you know, you went counselling, and they they got back together again, and you know, they've obviously had a thirty year marriage since. So, you'd like to think they've kind of worked through the issues, but um, clearly, as soon as their sons stopped getting game time at the World Cup, it suddenly became about you know, oh, you know, I'm going to take this motherfucker down. So, um, wow, it is insane. That that, that is like you know, you see like having coached under eight, you see a bit of bad parenting. Yeah. Um, it is the most soccer dad <laughs> energy that's imaginable. Fucking, that's next level, though. That's like soccer dadding at a, a fucking yeah. national level. Soccer, soccer dadding at at, at, yeah, at the level of, of international, at the World Cup level. So uh, wow. um, the one thing I really hope this kid, you know, keeps a bit of distance between him and his parents because they seem yeah, like they're, right. they're a bit of fucking work, eh? Jesus. Anyway, so right, I, I hope, hope you never have anything like that with your World Cup uh, selection yeah. trials. Yeah, there's always something. Yeah. Well, let's come back and talk some tunes, just a little bit of tunes to talk about. Let's come back and talk album of the year. In January, which is, you know, when you should talk about your album of the year. Yes, when the year is, we feel like we need to defend ourselves on this this choice, but I mean, if Triple J can do their hottest 100 on on bloody honour or round invasion day, then we can do our album of the year uh, in the early weeks of January. Yep. But until then, folks, this has been the Balls Podcast. I've been Doc and he's been Bezo, and we'll talk to you next week. See you, Doc.
I was just thinking, the funny thing about that American soccer story is just how fucking inbred it is. Yeah. And I think that co- that comic Look, kind of illustrated it. I'm having the thought that it's almost like, it's a bit like rugby union is here. Yes. It's all about what schools you go to. It's very white. It's very rich. It's very middle class to upper class. It's, it, and because you've got to pay so much to play, you know, the pay to play bullshit. The fucking, uh, you know, the, the, your subs, your club subs and stuff like that. It's just so high. Yeah. Um, you get this. You get this. The same bunch of fucking cunts. Uh, you know, are just circulating around. It's just. It's yeah, just gross. Well, that's like that. They reckon that absolutely like the level below the A League here, um, and the A League small enough that it doesn't matter. There's enough talent that percolates through. But I still reckon mm. there would be more talent percolating through if you didn't have to pay three three grand a season to play oh, the yeah. next level down. Like. Well, keep, or, or, keep saying who, who are the greatest talents that are coming through are uh, like Sudanese refugee yeah. kids and, and you know and all yeah. that. these kids can, I mean we're not talking about people who are coming from families that can afford several thousand bucks to play fucking junior football this is, this is it's a really unproductive way to fucking to, to you know yeah. a really good way to, to cut down your your, um, your supply chain of decent play yeah alright I'll be back yep. yeah it's something to drink I'll take it for the dark